Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Jackbox Games. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Thanks, Jackbox. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is a cool episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast that's a little different than usual. Uh, this was a live Nerdalogs comedy show recorded at the Voodoo Comedy Playhouse in Denver, Colorado back in June when some of the nerds were out there for the Denver Comic Con. Uh, so what you're getting is selections of a sketch comedy show put on by Joe Gennaro, Kevin Reeder, and Mary Beth Smith, plus stories from friends of the Nerdalogs and wonderful people Mark Coulomb, Mel Evans, and former nerd Alex Talavera, all of whom now live in Denver. Uh, as someone who wasn't there initially, in fact, you may remember I was recording, I think, two of your stories that weekend uh, in Chicago, um, I had a lot of fun listening to this, and I hope you do as well. Uh, now, our next live Your Stories recording takes place in a couple Saturdays on uh, August 21st. I'm sorry, a couple Sundays, August 21st at the Sum Office Theater, 1917 North Elson in Chicago. The theme of that show is Intrigue, and we're featuring the creators of the illustrated novel Taylor Swift Girl Detective, along with a number of other wonderful speakers. Uh, that show happens at 7 p.m., and it is free as usual, so don't miss it if you're in Chicago. I think it's going to be a really good one. Uh, before we get to the comedy, let me again thank our sponsors for this week's episode, Jackbox Games. And thanks, of course, to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for existing and helping us with that sponsorship. We love you. Uh, if you want to sponsor the Nerdalogs or help do that, there are a couple things you can do that don't cost as much as buying a podcast ad. Uh, rating and reviewing us on iTunes always helps for one. That is free. Uh, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash nerdalogs where you can help support podcasts like this, plus new shows and projects coming down the pipeline. P.S. I have a new podcast coming out hopefully in September that I think fans of this show will enjoy, but I will talk about that shortly. Uh, but anyway, of course, just listening to our shows is already fantastic. So thank you all for your support, and we hope you enjoy this one. Ooh. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voodoo Comedy Playhouse. How's everyone out there doing tonight? That's a lot here. Please help me welcome your host for the Netherlands, Kevin Breeder. We're a sketch comedy group from Chicago. Uh, so what we do is primarily uh, sketch comedy, like think SNL. Everybody's seen that, right? 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 Um, but we, what we also have with us tonight are three of our dearest, closest friends who live here in Denver. And what they're going to do is, in between our goofy sketches, <laughs> they're going to share stories and, and jokes from, from their own lives with you guys as well. So make as much love for them uh, on stage as we do. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna give. Here we go. Uh, let's uh, let's kill the lights and we'll get it going. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, fuck yeah, let's do this. All right, Rob. Paramount really wants to do something special for these Star Trek Blu-rays we're releasing to coincide with the release of Star Trek Beyond. What have you got for us? I've got just the thing you're looking for. All right, so. Did you know that Gene Roddenberry wrote lyrics to the original Star Trek theme song? Can't say I did. He did. So, let's get him on out here. Hey, Dave, come on out. Uh, I'm sorry, who's oh. Dave? <laughs> this is Dave. Uh, he's my uh, sister's kid. Uh, he's a kind of a big deal in the alternative reggaeton scene in San Jose. That, that can't be him. That's a thing. <laughs> Go ahead. You know what? Hit the song, Dave. Beyond the rim of the starlight, my love, he wanders in star flight. He'll find in star clustered reaches love, strange love a star woman teaches. I know his journey ends never. His Star Trek will go on forever. Remind him as he wanders the starry sea. He to remember. Remember me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Rob. Yes. Uh, Rob. Those lyrics were a little. Uh... A little incredible. Yes. Yes, they were. Those are the actual lyrics that Gene Roddenberry wrote. That's crazy. Uh, I guess my problem is. There's no way those other composers wrote some lyrics to their songs, you know? It, it wouldn't be fair to Jerry Goldsmith, Dennis McCarthy, if we just did the lyrics for this one song, right? The You're totally right, and that's why we've got you covered. We wrote lyrics to those songs as well. Hit it, Dave! This is the next generation. You saw the first one, now this one's the next. Our new captain, he is bald, but he's still gonna get with star women. Yeah, 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 incredible! Uh, okay, yeah. Rob, again, the lyrics are a little... Awesome and incredible. <laughs> Just what we needed, right? Incredible. <laughs> Imagine, what do you think if Gene Roddenberry were alive when the next generation was around? 
Gene Roddenberry was alive when the next generation started. You know what I think we've got next? Deep Space Nine. Hit it, Dan! <laughs> this is a space station in space. <laughs> this is the ninth deep space station in space. <laughs> There's still gonna be lots of star women, cause Captain Sisko is a real player. <laughs> yeah! Yes! Deep Space Nine is a very serious show about rebuilding a society in the midst of a terrible war. I don't think the song really captures the right tone. You know what? You're incredibly right. Speaking of tone, we have one more for you. Hit it, Dave! The First Lady Captain voyaged the ship into getting lost. She's a bad voyager, but that's okay. Cause she'll still sleep with star women. No! 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 You're just saying the title of the show and then talking about making love to star women, okay? Star Trek is about more than that. Star Trek is about hope for the future. Star Trek is about bettering ourselves now for a better tomorrow. Star Trek is about staring down all the fear and anger and darkness in our lives and saying, no, you don't have a hold on me. Not today and not ever again. <laughs> so, I think you can see why we can't use your nephew's lyrics, Rob. Good day to you both. Wow. Big. Ooh. I've been school for two weeks for this. <laughs> How's the theme song of Battlestar Galactica coming? Silence! walking on the stage like I own the joint. Uh, hi, my name is Alex. Uh, I am one of the friends of the Nerdologues. I live here in Denver. Uh, I was actually part of this group uh, initially back in 2010, like just getting started. Uh, I was 29 at the time, the oldest by far of a group <laughs> comprised mostly of recent college graduates. Um, thankfully, fortunate genes decades of high-fat diet uh, kind of gave me like perpetual baby face and a lack of parental affection left me pretty emotionally stunted so I could kind of fit in uh, if people asked I would tell them and it wasn't a big deal but we all kind of just felt the same age um, we had the same cultural touchstones and, and experiences and, and so it never really was a big deal uh, when I met my wife and then we started to get serious. Uh, my age actually asserted itself in a very concrete way. Um, we wanted to have kids, and I didn't want to be 40-year-old with a brand new baby. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just felt like 
I am already such a like lawn yelling old man, <laughs> and I was like at twenty. That like the idea of dealing with teenage bullshit at sixty, like, caused me to escape into a Brazil style psychosis that I'm maybe still experiencing right now. <laughs> uh, as an extreme example, uh, Cormac McCarthy, he uh, he had a kid at 65, and he turned that experience into The Road, which is a parable about a man who doesn't have enough bullets to kill himself and his son. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we wanted to avoid that. Uh, we hustled out over to Denver, my wife got pregnant, and then a fucking creature burst out of her like the evil dead. <laughs> It, she looked and looks exactly like me. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm not very professional here. <laughs> looks and looks exactly like me. Okay. Uh, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into like whole like new father. My life has changed thing. Um, I, I do think it's unavoidable, though, that when you're a parent, uh, your context changes, right? And you start looking at your life in a different way. Um, specifically that, like, it's a goddamn miracle that I survived to adulthood. <laughs> and now I've loosed a smaller, dumber version of myself. <laughs> like, into the world uh, to repeat the same mistakes I made. And, like, repeat them repeat the same mistakes I made in a world where like ubiquitous and permanent recording is a feature of life. Uh, so uh, as is, you know, uh, I am gonna be unexpectedly older uh, for some of the events in her life. Um, and I, I just kind of thought about that and, and thought about the way it would affect her, but like uh, for example, it'll be 2032 uh, when my daughter like realizes that the world is indifferent to her happiness, <laughs> and like, and she starts to garb herself in like um, a pantsuit uh, because film noir has taken over for goth and emo as like the austere gloom of choice. <laughs> I will be 52 when she tosses off her cloche hat and graduates, and like pushing 60 when she finishes her robot repair welding apprenticeship because robots have taken all our jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, it's from 60 to 65, I probably won't see her in person very often. She'll be living abroad in Rikovich. Um, a, a place that I will like embarrassingly connect with Sugar Rose or whatever, but she'll have like, a much deeper understanding of because of a childhood obsession with Icelandimation. <laughs> Eventually, she'll come back to the States, take some improv classes, and be forced to learn the Herald. <laughs> and you know, she's gonna get out there in the world, meet the polygamous arrangement of her dreams. <laughs> and the seven of them will have a modest wedding with like just close family and friends and a hosted bar of like wine, beer, and bath salts for guests. <laughs> wedding DJs will still be a thing, but 
Thanks to the hubris of science, life expectancy will have doubled, and people will start talking about like the necessity of having a kid before 50. My parents, long since corporeally dead, will approximate glee as they tell me, ah, think about how long it took you to have grandchildren. And I'll say, you know, you're just an app, right? <laughs> and even though we've gone through this before, there'll be a wash anew in existential horror, and I'll have to uninstall and reinstall them. <laughs> but eventually, eventually my daughter might actually step forward to this and, and have a child of her own, and even though the combined knowledge of the world will be readily consumable in a pill form, she's still going to be scared shitless, uh, not knowing what to do the same way that I'm scared shitless, not knowing what to do with her. Um, but it's the sort of fear that I've realized is unnecessary because what I learned now and what I was really afraid of for being an older dad or waiting too long to have a kid wasn't that I wasn't going to be fast enough uh, to play with her or uh, smart enough or in touch enough. It's that I just wanted to have more time with her. And I didn't know that yet because I hadn't met her. And when I turned 140, <laughs> thanks to some witchcraft mix of dandelions and earth, <laughs> and I'm holding the perfect genetic mix of seven people that is my grandchild. <laughs> I know she's going to feel the same way, that it doesn't matter that she had to wait until the Dyson sphere around our sun was completed. <laughs> and now she has this time with this child, and it's going to be like that moving forward from every generation on. Thanks, guys. Hey, son? Huh? Did, uh, did you change the Wi-Fi password? No, Mom did. Oh. Can I know what it is? Yeah, could you tell me what it is? Yeah, just one second. I gotta, I gotta beat this Dyson Sphere? Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Completed it. Um, the new Wi-Fi password. I memorized it. I have a mnemonic device. Okay. I. Yep. D. Yep. E. S. P. I S E M Y U G L Y F A I L U R E O F A N A D O P T E D S O All right. N mm -hmm. one yeah. seven. I despise my ugly failure of an adopted son seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> You're seventeen? I'm adopted? <laughs> Woo. We are uh I think we probably head out in like five minutes. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Hey, uh baby, I was thinking maybe when we get home tonight. We, uh, I don't know, spice it up in the boudoir a little oh, bit. Oh, okay, all right. I could be into like some uh, some role play or something. I oh. want to be I want to be someone from a movie. 
Oh, okay. Um, I, I was just thinking that we'd get like a blindfold or something. <laughs> Come on. You could do better than that. Come on. Be creative. Okay. Okay. Um, a movie? Yeah. A movie. Um, who's sexy in movies? <laughs> Harrison Ford, obviously. Yes. I'll be um, Han. Yes. Han Solo. Yes, I knew. Um, and that third one, Empire Records Strikes or whatever. <laughs> um, and I just was frozen in Carbium. And I, I just got thawed out, and I can't see, so all I can do is touch Queen Leia. No, no, uh, uh <coughs> Princess Leia. Uh, you're, you're thinking of Queen Amidala. Um, and Han was frozen in carbonite, not carbium. Okay, I'm frozen in carbonite, and I'm all hard. And... No, 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 no. Uh, honestly, uh, Slave Leia fantasies are, like, really cliche at this point, so if we could just do anything else. I, I promise I'll be game. Okay. I, I know you got something again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You love the, you yeah. love your nerd stuff. Um, uh, how about let's do the X Men, yes. or should I say fucking Sex Men? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, this is good. I'll be like I'll going. be uh, I'll be the leader. Cyclops. Yes. And I have to keep my eyes closed, otherwise my optic blasts just fucking spray everywhere. <laughs> and uh, uh, and you could be um, uh, uh, Jean Grey. Yes. And you can't touch me, otherwise you'll sap all my life force up. Mm, no, uh, that's Rogue. You're thinking of Rogue. Uh, <laughs> okay. Rogue, Rogue is the mutant that saps other mutants' powers. Okay, let's do Cyclops and Rogue. Uh. <laughs> Rogue and Scott Summers, that would never happen. Rogue and Alex Summers, maybe. Fine, let's be them. Mm, I don't really think I can pull off a southern accent. You don't have to. Well, we, we can just pick someone else. What about Kitty Pride and Bobby Drake? Who? <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Let's just go back to being uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey, then you can do okay. whatever her power is. Oh, cool. Uh, well, um, she's uh, Phoenix, um, so I don't, I don't know if you really wanted me to be channeling Phoenix uh, during sex, because I might, I might just get super into it and go like full on dark Phoenix and destroy an entire solar system. So, bad idea. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do. Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> I will be Harry. Yes. You will be the girl. The girl? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me right now? I have to assume you're talking about Hermione because that's the main girl in the story, but even suggesting a romantic relationship between Harry and Hermione is absolutely absurd. She ended up with his best friend. He got with his best friend's sister. Come on, I'm obviously a Jenny Weasley. Okay. <laughs> I only read the second book, okay? And tell you what, if we want to do a movie, how about when we get home tonight, let's do American Beauty and I masturbate in the shower. Me too. Fine. <laughs> super unprofessional and just read straight from my phone, so sorry. Um, it's the summer of sequels, and it's a truth universally acknowledged that a work of Jane Austen demands a sequel. <laughs> Her six novels and two novellas 
are not enough for a 21st century audience demanding more social refinement and witty banter. Despite the fact that all eight of these works end with a fairy tale like happy ending almost exclusively with a marriage, <laughs> readers, which if they even read it, for real, which we'll get to in a minute, <laughs> demand continuation of their beloved characters' lives. What will these beloved characters do after this definitive resolution to their romantic conflicts via marriage? I mean, other than go out to eat and run errands together on the weekends. No, these readers want sequels that are full of the attraction that Newton forgot. These readers want sequels full of sexy, sexy sex. <laughs> This definitively began with the 1996 BBC miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. After watching eight hours of stolen glances across ballrooms and love-defying 19th century social rules, and ending, an uh, ending up in an entrance when Jane Austen bubbled up in both Britain and abroad. And while British audiences wrote commentary in the sun about how saucy the subtle British chemistry between Colin Firth and Jennifer Ely was, American audiences said, you know what this could use? More fucking. <laughs> and thus, turn to the most misunderstood and profitable genre of American literature to fulfill all the carnal urges that a Regency-era spinster virgin had neglected in her social satire. The most egregious offender to me of these sequels is Lyndia Birdall's, Linda Birdall's 2004 work, Mr. Darcy Takes a Wife, which, get it? takes a wife. Get it? Takes. This novel was legitimately written by a Texas grandmother, seriously, I know a guy who works with her granddaughter, who you can almost hear chortling as she pulls allusions directly from the miniseries, but not the books. <laughs> the action, get it? Action. <laughs> picks up directly after the miniseries ends with a chaste, closed-mouth kiss between two actors who were actually fucking each other in real life. But the conflict doesn't end with that kiss because, guys, turns out Mr. Darcy's dick is just too huge for Elizabeth's tight, <laughs> tight pussy. I am not making this up. This is the plot in a sequel to a Jane Austen novel. This is just the overt description that Jane Austen, who notably excluded specific utterings of love between Elizabeth and Darcy when they finally confessed their affection for each other, probably wished for for all her characters. She came from an era that's still called stockings unmentionables. Please tell me more about Mr. Darcy's little lord. I would much prefer to read the word pulsing than see the suggestive line of britches or a low-cut bodice during a ball, right? Now, of course, all that boning leads to procreation, and y'all, the daughters of Mr. Darcy are super sexually experimental. <laughs> Not like lesbians or anything, because Jane Austen sure wasn't potentially gay. Side note, you can find gay pride and prejudice while you're searching these sequels, if you prefer <laughs> Elizabeth to marvel at the size of Charlotte's huge strap-on instead. But those little Darcy girls just love to fuck. 
please disregard the source material that presents such potentially socially ruinous acts as exchanging letters with a man prior to an official engagement. It's fine. Girls of high standing can totally be DTF and get away with it. Look, neither I nor Jane Austen are prudes by any means here. There's usually someone ruined by a cat in all of her novels, if you know what I mean. And I mean getting pregnant by a guy who says he can't marry you because his aunt will take away his inheritance. <laughs> but the art of her writing is in the subtlety and how people were overwhelmed with passion in an incredibly restrained time. And to me, True passion isn't yelling about how much you love to eat pussy. Hello, 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 hello. My name is Shandy Winters, modern day folk singer. Very nice to make all of your acquaintance tonight. Uh, very much appreciate you having me here at the Voodoo Comedy Playhouse. I don't usually do comedy, but I do do songs that uh, I just really like to, to tap into the culture nowadays. I really like to ask myself the hard questions about, you know, when folks started, it was, uh, it was about soul searching. And now with the phones and the internets and everything, it's kind of evolved a little, so I uh, just wanna, I uh, don't know how to play the guitar, but I did give a recording to our sound guy here, and uh, if he were to play it for me, that would be excellent. <laughs> just pretend I'm playing. These days I still struggle with tough questions in life. I've seen many years full of hardship and strife. But there is one inquiry burning inside that trumps all the others I can continue to hide. This question still pounding deep down in my heart. I just don't know what bitcoins are. I've read pages, watched talks, are they mined out of rocks? I don't know. Bitcoins are. Is my hard drive a bank? Which nerd do I thank for not knowing what bitcoins are? Now I've twatted on Twitter and I've faced on the book. My grams are all Insta. I Snapchats and you look. If it peaks my Pinterest, then I am LinkedIn. I figured it clout, but I can't begin to grasp cryptocurrency used to buy a car. I just don't know what Bitcoins are. I've read pages, watch talks, are they mined at Mount Gox? I don't know what bitcoins are. Is my hard drive a bank? Which nerd do I thank for not knowing what bitcoins are? Instead of food, we eat poops. Now our time is beats and boops. Seems like that's what bitcoins are. 
some nerd made up money shit and we're dumb enough to buy it. I guess that's what Bitcoins are. Thank you very much. Have a good time. Did you change the Wi-Fi password? Yeah. Mom, I did change the Wi-Fi password. Okay. Yeah. You ready? I don't know if you're ready. I'm ready. I D E S P I S E M Y U G L Y F A I L U R E O F A N A D O P T E D S O N one eight. I'm eighteen, Mom. Ooh, um, actually, your papers say you're 23. I changed the Wi-Fi password! <laughs> uh, hi, my name's Mark. Uh, I moved here from Chicago a while ago and know all these people, and I'm married to that person. Uh, so I wasn't in the Nerdalogs, but I was in her. I got jokes. Uh, I'm a lazy small, I use paper. Uh, but uh, this is very serious. Uh, kind of a counterpoint, actually. Uh, when, the, when the doctor told uh, my wife and I that we couldn't have children, I... Uh, I cheered! Hell yeah, non-motherfucker! Yes! I mean, uh, apologies, my wife. None of none of that is true. We are both uh, very, very fertile. Uh, I'm sorry, I just lied, but but I, I wanted to make the point. The notion of married people uh, not having uh, children together kind of seems tragic to some people. Uh, yeah, because sometimes when two people really love each other, they make a sacred vow to sleep in on the weekend. <laughs> uh, you could be married and not want kids. Gas pearls. Uh, it, it, I mean, it feels like an affront to the species. More, most importantly, it's an affront to the very people responsible uh, for me making that kind of decision. Uh, the very people that made a very different choice, of course, I mean, my parents. Uh, <laughs> their parents, and really going all the way back to two chimps that ran away from their parents' tree on some belt a long time ago. <laughs> so to them, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. To the fat Frenchman who sailed to the New World to make his living in a freezing French Canada, I'm sorry. <laughs> to the slightly dim soldier who survived Napoleon's conquest of Europe and had to march himself home through a cold continental winter with only his companions, blind luck and foolish fortune, able to return to his beloved. I'm sorry. To his only great-grandson. Well, the only one that made it to an age suitable to be sold off to a tannery as an apprentice, who somehow, though smelling like the skin of a thousand dead beasts in the waste of an early industrial age, found love in a family of his own. I'm sorry. 
to everyone that has ever talked to me about their children while I looked at them and nodded as they explained how hard Jeremy is working at karate camp. <laughs> I am not sorry. <laughs> Don't you do things? Don't you have wants and desires of your own? I mean, is that all there is to look forward to in life? Karate camp? Oh, damn, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually sorry. I mean, I have friends and they have kids and some of them are actually pretty great. And sometimes I guess it's good to hear that they're having fun at karate camp. But seriously, you're still a person. And I try not to judge other folks on their life choices unless they're voting for Trump, uh, talking to me about Reddit, or wearing a shitty punk band's t-shirt. Uh, listeners at home note this is a visual gag. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, you, as some brand manager's Twitter bio says, do you. All of you. Just maybe use protection. Or, or, recently an old man had his hands on my balls and was asking me about my family plans. I actually said a word I'd never used earnestly before. Bahathme. Bahathme. Vasectomy. You see, there's a vast difference between joking about a vasectomy and inquiring about it. Again, it's a choice. Your friend is tired from staying up with little Sarah and you're exhausted from playing Overwatch. But you truly make the call to cut the cord. Yikes. I just don't know if my parents' account is going to be there if I change my mind. But for the good of mankind and your respective future gene pools, I'm not taking my shot. Well, actually, according to the literature I read, I can still take a shot, but it's a blank. Thanks, everybody. Good night, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy Your Stories, you might also like Improvised Star Trek. Improvised Star Trek is an improvised parody of Star Trek featuring the adventures of the crew of the USS Sisyphus, a slightly less enterprising starship. For more information, visit theimprovisedstartrek.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.